You're in a Fenestration Conversation, where Canada's window and door industry talks about the things that matter to our businesses. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Fenestration Conversations. Today we are joined by George Torek of Morrison Hirschfield. George is uh, on the committee. He's the chair of the committee, actually, for the CSA A440.4 uh, task force to update that standard. And uh, that, of course, is the standard for uh, window and door installation in uh, residential buildings. And uh, George and I had a, a good conversation, a good update on the most recent changes to A440.4. Um, talked a bit about uh, also the A440.5, which is sort of a, a user guide, a supplement that's going to be coming out uh, in addition to the to the new standard. Uh, 440.4 uh, was uh, addresses a lot of uh, a lot of issues to do with uh, climate change. Looking forward to things that they're, we're going to want to change in the future as we install windows and doors. And um, they, there's new material in there on bay bow window installation. There's new material on there on exterior, uh, continuous exterior installation. Um, and uh, we just had a good chat about uh, generally what the, uh, the standard covers and what it's good for and what the changes are now. Uh, the changes that uh, may be showing up in the uh, the new uh, NBC uh, for 2020 when that's released, and uh, also what sort of changes we can expect to that going forward. So please enjoy my conversation with George Torok from Morrison-Hirschfield. All right, I'm here with George Torok from Morrison-Hirschfield. How are you doing today, George? I'm just fine, thanks. How are you? It's good to good to talk to you. Um, you know, George, uh, you reached out to me a little while ago, uh, saying uh, you know there's uh, there's 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 changes obviously that have come out to uh, uh, CSA A four forty point four and point five uh, window installation standard and uh, window and skylights and doors installation standard. And uh, we we I thought that'd be a great opportunity to just get into uh, some of what those changes are and what you guys are looking to do going forward. And may maybe just a little more general discussion too of, of, of the standard and, and its relevance and, 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 and how we see it being used, um, uh, going forward. So it's, it's great. You're, you're the chair of the committee that's looking at the revisions. Um, and, uh, and, and so you're the perfect person to have on here. So thanks very much for joining. Um, what, yeah. Why don't you start off telling us a little bit about uh, about yourself and uh, and what you're doing with uh, with Morrison Hirschfield and the and the committee? Um, well, I'm a fenestration specialist at Morrison Hirschfield uh, here in the Ottawa office. Uh, I work uh, nationally across Canada as well as uh, dipping into the uh, the states uh, for work uh, as well. Uh, working on low rise work, mid rise, high rise, uh, commercial, residential, um, but my focus is uh, glazing technology. And um, uh, for uh, CSA, um, I've been a member of uh, uh, the, the task groups that have did the revisions for the 2007 version of CSA for 40.4. And then I led the revisions for the 2018 uh, and 2019 revisions uh, of the standard. And we can get into that a little bit later. Um, and going forward, I'll be leading the group into the next set of uh, revisions um, 
as we aim for um, the 2000, uh, the 2025 NBC. Right. And uh, I should point out as well that you're uh, you're, you're somewhat of a, a star in the industry uh, due to your uh, repeated performances at Top Glass. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, and, and I always appreciate your willingness to step up with great, uh, great, <laughs> great content for me at that event. So <laughs> it's, uh, you're, you're certainly uh, been very helpful. Um, George, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the most recent version of, uh, of A440 point. Well, for, first mm -hmm. of all, t tell, just give me the, give me an idea of, of the scope uh, for A440.4 and, and, and 0.5, which I think is what we want to focus on here. Um, what, uh, what exactly are those standards? What do they address? Uh, what's, uh, what, what are they for? Well, 0.5 doesn't exist yet. That's okay. um, our task uh, coming up in the next revision is to create a 0.5. Uh, we were hoping to get there uh, when we did the revisions for 2018, uh, but we ran out of time uh, to get those revisions done so that there was enough time for the editing and balloting processes um, and for review by the standing committee um, for part nine and part five of the NBC. Uh, to get into the 2020 NBC. Um, the, now, the 2020 NBC, my understanding is it'll be released uh, later this year, so uh, towards the end of 2021. And um, A440.4 is referenced now by, by both Part 5 and by Part 9. Um, so we made that target. Um, and, and our goal going forward is to build on the work that we did for uh, 2018 um, and create the 20, uh, the 0.5 standard, which will essentially be a user's guide. And the, the overall concept um, is that we'll take a lot of the, the background theory that's written into um, commentary and notes uh, within A440.4 and move that out of that document and into 0.5. Um, and as well, uh, and perhaps most importantly, we want to revise um, the drawings that currently exist in um, the 2018-19 edition, which are the same as in the 2007 edition. Uh, but we want to update those. Uh, those drawings were created uh, by RDH for a, a CMHC study uh, close to 20 years ago now. And things have advanced. There are some new techniques that aren't um, represented uh, in those uh, details. So we want to um, include those into 0.5. And to some extent, the idea is that we're going to want to create an illustrated guide to 0.4, um, make it a little bit easier for uh, the tradesperson to look at images and pictures to understand what are the principles behind the installation. Um, some people work well with words and they can read the, the mandatory text and understand that fully and others uh, need some uh, visual learning. And so that's the idea of trying to uh, uh, get more uh, diagrams and the like in 2.5. And as well, we're also looking at updating the, um, uh, the guidance um, in point four, which will be in point five for field testing, um, uh, to um, just enhance the existing uh, discussion that's in um, Annex D, I think, uh, point four, um, to represent uh, Canadian practice. 
within point four itself um, in 2007 for the 2007 edition and work was largely finished on that uh, in about 2005. Um, we were anticipating at that time where the 2005 NBC was going um, then those of you with long member memories may remember that from 1995 to 2005, we skipped a code cycle. And at that point, the the NBC was being um, reorganized onto an objective basis. So less prescriptive, more goal oriented. Um, and the same applies for part nine, although much of what was originally in part nine was kept as what's now known as acceptable solutions. And the idea is still the same within part nine that if you follow those exceptional um, uh, acceptable solutions, then you will meet the objectives for part nine. Um, still very much a kind of a recipe uh, format to do this and you should be okay. Um, and we were trying to anticipate all that, what was going on, uh, how the code was going to change as we were doing the revisions. And we got close. Uh, there, there are a few, um, uh, differences that uh, uh, we missed on in 2007. Um, and as well, at that time, new stuff started to come on to the market in terms of how we were building. So the, the whole concept of exterior or continuous insulation um, on the exterior of the stud frame, uh, that wasn't picked up in 2007. And there are some changes in installation detailing to suit that. Um, for the most part, the, the people who worked on the original 1998 version and the 2007 version were uh, based in uh, central Canada in, in Ontario. Um, so we just really didn't get the whole idea of nail flange installation uh, for windows. Mm -hmm. uh, we tried uh, John Inc. from CWD Windows and Doors and uh, Dennis Little from the uh, Alberta New Home Warranty Program were on the committee and, and they, they tried their darndest to um, uh, get us Eastern guys to understand what the heck nail flange was all about. Um, since then, we've seen that whole idea of nail flange installation sort of roll eastward uh, in Canada, but as well, um, it's become much more common stateside. And so for uh, manufacturers to supply into the Canadian market from south of the border, we're seeing that far more in the east. It has its challenges. Uh, there's some differences in uh, idea of how to install a nail flange window. NRC has done various studies about it as well. So um, we included, um, uh, much more of that into the 2018 edition. And I should mention uh, before I go too, too much further, there's a 2018 edition and there's a 2019. So primarily we worked on the 2018 edition to um, upgrade the 07 version. The main difference between 2018 and 2019 is the inclusion of um, Annex H um, on climate change. So and that uh, came up just as we were wrapping up the work on 2018 that um, NRC charged CSA to include uh, information in the window standards that it controls um, about climate change. Uh, and the uh, larger picture is that um, 
generally when we design buildings, uh, we work on nominally a past 30 um, climate uh, data. And in reality, some of that data is much older than that, uh, but nominally it's past 30. And looking at um, climate change, we really need to be looking at a future 30 or maybe even a future 60. And the goal is there to, to do that, to be able to generate um, uh, likely scenarios for future climate change, future climate data for us to design to. Um, the, the data just isn't there yet. Um, my, and at the time, uh, NRC was also working with Environment Canada to um, get the supercomputers to generate future data based on likely uh, uh, worst case, best case scenarios to inform um, uh, the, the future NBC and perhaps it'll, it'll come in at, for the 2025 NBC, what that future climate data should be so that we can design resilience into our buildings for the future. So we didn't, that information was still in process, but it was important to try to get some information in there about thinking about what does climate change mean? What does resilience mean? And so Annex H was created and the way it was incorporated was rather than issuing a, um, a revision or an addendum to um, the 2018 edition, a new 2019 edition for CSA 440.4 was created. And that's what's now or will be referenced in the 2020 NBC. The unfortunate part about that is in the front of every edition of A440.4 and any of the A440 standards, um, there's always a preface which indicates what's new. So there's a great what's new section in the 2018 edition that describes all the stuff we did from 2007, which isn't repeated in 2019. Um, so you know, perhaps there's a, a future article for uh, um, for Glass Canada or, or uh, Fenestration Review is just to go it, back over it, that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the um, uh, just to, I just have it up on the screen here and just to quickly run over the, the points, what we did essentially from 2007 to now. Mm -hmm. um, so the 2018-19 editions um, is that um, we dialed back the application a little bit. So in, in 2007, there was a little bit um, put in about window wall installation. And it was recognized at the time that, you know, there were problems with installing window wall and water leakage and, and so on. Um, so there, there was a little bit put in into the standard then about uh, using subsill flashings for window wall and, and so on. But that really came into those inst uh, installation diagrams that were prepared by RDH. There's really nothing in the um, uh, the text, the mandatory text about it. So we took that out in the revisions, and that all that information has uh, gone on into the new CSA for 40.6 um, high exposure fenestration installation uh, standard, and that one is um, available now. Uh, it was released uh, in. Um, 2020, um, but it's that won't be referenced by code unless it's done by way of amendment. It was too late to get into the 2020 NBC. Um, so 
our focus within point four is very much point uh, part nine. Uh, that said, um, when you look at um, the existing data, climate data that we use, uh, that can still take you up to um, a driving rain wind potential of 500 pascals uh, for the West Coast and into 400 pascals or so on the East Coast. So still pretty high performance. Um, we updated a lot of definitions and the like in um, the 2018-19 uh, editions uh, to match new materials and uh, construction processes that have been included and, and try to uh, have a relatively constant terminology. Um, I'm sure you know that you talk to people on the West Coast, you talk to people south of the border, um, you know, different parts of windows have different names. Uh, different installation techniques or the same installation technique and have a different name. So um, getting a consistency of um, definitions sometimes um, difficult. Um, a lot, some of the reference standards uh, publications have, have uh, changed and in particular, um, all the CGSB sealant standards were, were withdrawn and replaced um, in the NBC with uh, the ASTM sealant standards. Um, we included more information now on bay and bow window installation that uh, wasn't addressed at all in the 2007 version. Mm -hmm. And that's based on some good work that was uh, uh, done by um, SODAC, uh, looking into installation detailing. Um, as I mentioned before, we added information now on installation, um, sorry, uh, insulating sheathing. So where we're putting continuous insulation on the outside, how do we handle that in terms of uh, um, supportive windows where they're projected outwards over top of that insulation. Um, we revised the shimming and anchoring diagrams. So the, the old diagrams are there. Um, we stumbled across uh, uh, some interesting errors that were made in previous editions um, that we corrected. Um, we also removed the concept of the R point from those diagrams um, to represent more uh, the procedures that in fact are, are used. So the R point, um, if you've studied those diagrams in, in past editions, um, is in, in concept, it's the central point around which a window would move. So the, the original idea is that a window should float within a punch opening within a wall. So there's one point that anchors the window in place, but it could be at the sill, it could be at a jam. And um, that's more, that's a fixed point and all other anchors around the, the perimeter of the window need to allow for up, down, in, out, left, right movement. The reality is we clamp windows into the opening. So we, we shim at the sides, we shim at the sill, um, and typically most of our anchors will go in at the jams, and those anchors are driven through tight um, into the frame and into uh, through the shims and into the jack studs uh, in the case of wood frame construction or a wood liner if it's masonry construction. So we don't really allow the window to float in the opening. Um, so we, we took that concept out uh, to represent the reality of, of how we do install windows now. And that also represents uh, an advance, better techniques in manufacturing, because much of that idea of, of allowing the window to float was trying to deal with the fact that sometimes it, it, windows would 
tear themselves apart at corners um, if you didn't allow for, in the case of vinyl, expansion and contraction. Um, we have different techniques now uh, to allow for that. So we don't really need to float the window as such. Um, so we simplified the, uh, the shimming and anchoring diagrams. We also added new diagrams to look at um, combination assembly. So if you're taking two windows and putting them into the same hole, um, how should you go about shimming and anchoring to ensure load transfer into the surrounding frame? And similarly for window and, and uh, door combinations. And then as Ed mentioned, um, we've uh, learned some more about uh, nail flange installation and a uh, uh, small shout out to uh, Terry Adams at uh, West Tech Windows. Um, we uh, uh, drafted into the committee and he, he taught us a lot and so we uh, have more information there now, better information on nail flange installation. Um, we also um, did some changes to subsill flashing uh, requirements. So part of that process of uh, trying to anticipate where the 2005 NBC was going was the, uh, the concept of exterior wall design and the requirements for two planes of protection. So an exterior cladding and an interior water resistive barrier. And when drainage was required between the two, so in, in other words, a capillary break, it's a terminology in the code. Um, and the, the difficulty with the NBC, and I, I don't know if that's been re resolved for 2020, but with the 2005 NBC, uh, when you have two planes of protection, the exterior wall, um, and the second plane is interrupted by something, and it could be a window opening, it could be an exhaust vent, it could be a door. Um, the code requires that the protection provided by the second plane is maintained. But it doesn't say what that, how that's supposed to be done, what, what that protection is supposed to be. So for 2005, most people in the, code, in the group looked at it and said, well, you know, that means subsill flashing. So we wrote requirements into install subsill flashing using the same um, climate uh, requirements that are in um, 927 of part nine um, for providing two planes of protection with a capillary break. Um, that for reasons I'm not sure if that wasn't accepted by the NBC and they, they simply said, pay attention to what 927 requires, which is really does not give you um, any guidance other than maintain the second plane of protection. Um, but we included those requirements in there for 2018, 2019, we enhanced those requirements a bit further. Uh, I should say one thing before I, I get into that. What we tried to do also in, in 2007 was include some information for subsill flashing. When do you need to put it in, in terms of local climate? So you recognize that uh, what the NBC um, criteria for two planes of protection is based on moisture index and heating degree days. So basically when you have um, cold and wet uh, climates uh, such as the West Coast or warm and wet climates 
the other way around. Uh, the warm and wet climates on the west coast and the cold and wet climates on the east coast, you need subcell flashing. In between, not really. Um, but we understand that there are local variations, um, which you don't necessarily get from the very discrete um, list of locations um, in uh, Appendix C to the NBC, the climate data. Um, and as well, we know also that if the window is tucked up underneath um, a projecting eave, it's protected somewhat from rain. If it's further down the facade, um, so if it's a two-story building or three-story building and it's a window on the second or the first floor, it's more fully exposed to rain. So we tried to build into that um, uh, a way to estimate the location of the window uh, in, the, in the facade. Is it protected by the eave or not? And also, um, is the, the building more exposed or not? So is it in an urban condition? Is it out in the countryside where there are different uh, wind conditions and, and uh, driving rain conditions that can affect the installation? So there was an exposure nomograph that was included in Annex A of um, A440.407. Um, and the idea was to that people could, uh, an installer or specifier could use that nomograph with um, the moisture index and heating degree day information that was um, uh, in um, CSA 440 S1 um, and uh, determine you know, what they should do in that kind of fuzzy middle section of the country. It didn't work too well. Um, it was just too much to ask some people to do even though it's it's five minutes work and for most people who have to deal with um, a defined work area in terms of you know there are they working in the greater toronto area are they working in winnipeg or something you, you could do it spend a few minutes to figure it out once and you're just about done forever um, it wasn't really used so when we came to 2018-2019, we took out that system and replaced it with a simple um, yes-no. Do you need it or do you not? And we provided a, a, a table for that just to make it really simple. Um, and then we added two other conditions uh, when subcell flashing is mandatory. And one is below all doors. And the second is below all um, combination assembly. So if it's two windows in a hole or a window and a door in the same hole. And the reason there is that, um, um, and this is just based on bitter hard experience of the uh, task group members, um, mulling details uh, between windows are sometimes not well-defined. And some installers are just relying on a simple vinyl couplers in the case of vinyl or, or fiberglass frames, um, running a bead of sealant in there, and often water leakage happens. Uh, so we decided, well, if we're going to take out requirements to uh, use the exposure nomograph to find, try to fine tune um, the installation to a location, then we should replace it with something, again, equally simple that if you're putting two windows in the hole, let's get a diaper under the window uh, to pr protect against the possibility of leakage through the joints between the window and uh, the two windows. Um, and as well, 
it was felt by most members in the committee that well, doors are uh, subject to a lot of water. They're down low. They, um, people walking in and out of them all the time, they kick their boots off, you know, the snow off uh, against the door sill. They see a lot of water, a lot of snow, a lot of melt. And so they're a high risk location. And just through the process of replacing products over the years, you know, often find that there's damage. So it makes sense to put a subcell flashing. And there are more products available. You could still do it with a peel and stick, but there are liquid applied products, there are preformed sill pans available now. Uh, some of those things that we now reference those as well in 2018, 2019 editions. And we also were looking at making some revisions to the, um, uh, the field testing. Uh, requirements, but uh, we weren't able to do too much. It was left uh, at the end and that will be picked up more in the next edition coming up. Hmm. Wow. You guys made a lot of changes. Um, there was a lot of heavy lifting on that. A lot, on that of, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, some things I've just been making notes as you've gone along. Mm -hmm. um, um, was the objection on the, on the on the subsill flashing from the NBC, because you guys had a, you were mentioning a capillary system. Um, um, were they concerned that this was going to degrade the energy performance or something, having it, having it open or did they, like, do they want everything sealed up old school or, 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 or were they rejecting a capillary system altogether? Uh, no, no. I mean, the, the, um, because the selection criteria that we used right were the same as it's in the NBC now. That oh. um, if you have, based on heating degree days and um, moisture index, if you're cold and wet or you're warm and wet, then um, if your wall system has two planes of protection, then it needs a capillary break. Right. So we use the same criteria. Oh, okay. um, I'll be honest, you know, it's not something that we pursued with the NBC. Um, in our discussions um, over the last year with the standing committee uh, for part nine, um, we understand there's no longer um, a concern about that. Yeah. Um, so we should be good to go ahead. So I think we, we perhaps we just got a little bit ahead of ourselves yeah. um, and, you know, had the revisions already been in place, you know, we could have had more discussion. So we are trying our best to future think it. And I think we just um, future thunk too far. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They weren't, they weren't ready yet for the <laughs> More or less. Yeah, more or less. Um, so are we, are we heading towards a day where it's nail flange everywhere? Uh, it's I don't know. Um, and the, 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 you know, the, the, certainly the, the installers, I think people who've done both like, like the nail flange better from, from installing perspective. Right. I mean, it's in that it's easier. It isn't, it isn't um, a limitation that we found uh, with nail flange is the darn things aren't very big. Mm. Um, so um, we have pre-punched holes in the nail flange and if your rough opening gap um, is too large, then when you put the, the nails or, or screws into those pre-punched holes, it can be very close to the edge of the jack stud. Okay. And so there's a risk there of splitting the jack stud and not getting um, the structural attachment that you think you're getting. 
Um, and this is, again, one thing that uh, uh, Terry Adams uh, uh, advised us about, that what they do on the West Coast is they tend to reduce the rough opening gap to a quarter of an inch. The nominal uh, rough opening gap that we, uh, the standard previously considered was a half inch. Now, there's a range, it's, it, it, uh, um, but the half inch is the sort of midpoint of the range. So it, it the nail flange imposes some structural limitations. Um, and it, then if you have a very narrow gap, it also becomes more difficult to, um, if you want to insulate that gap, to put insulation in there, whether it's a, a polyurethane foam, or if you're trying to put uh, a fiber insulation in there, or mineral fiber or glass fiber insulation, it gets harder to do that. And of course, you have to be able to do that from the inside. Um, and then that can be further complicated if there's a jam extension in place too. Right. So, it, you know, the way that we looked at it is, yes, you can do nail flange installation. You need to be careful of the, um, the edge distance of the fasteners to the jack stud that may require you to reduce the, the um, rough, rough opening gap width. And we did include an allowance for that. Uh, within uh, the 2018-2019 edition. Um, we also um, include an allowance to not insulate the rough opening gap um, if the, the, the weather condition uh, is mild enough and, and there's a, a heating degree day, uh, or, or sorry, um, January 2.5% design temperature limitation for that. Um, going forward, we need to think about that again uh, some more, and um, just with some recent work uh, that I've been involved with, looking at um, uh, window installation in northern housing, where you generally want to insulate that rough opening gap. Uh, if it gets too narrow and you can't insulate it well, then are we potentially uh, creating a condensation risk on the frame? Mm. NRC looked at that. Uh, they've done a, some studies uh, looking at the, the whole issue of uh, draining the rough opening frame, um, air sealing the rough opening frame. And there are a couple of studies out there where they uh, did some uh, comparative um, uh, assessment of the, um, uh, the thermal performance of the frame. If you insulate with uh, mineral fiber, if you insulate with spray polyurethane foam, or you insulate with nothing. Um, so it's it's an open gap uh, because the concern was well, if you insulate, do you affect how the water uh, the rough opening can drain? So this is all within the context of you want the rough opening gap to drain to the exterior. So the previous conversation that we got too far ahead when we included subsill flashing, there's been a lot of work done by NRC since that point, and the the general consensus is yes, we should. Uh, diaper the window, um, and we're we're getting there. That may be um, that'll be something that we'll look at uh, for the next edition. Is do we just simply say diaper the windows? Period. Um, but in all those studies, there was a con there was a concern that if you insulate, do you retain water, um, and so you don't really uh, drain it. Uh, so they looked at those three options, and there was a, uh, and what the, the study that they did uh, revealed um, very little change from insulating or non-insulating 
the gap. The, the best insulation value was with polyurethane foam. Um, there was a lower insulation value from uh, using mineral fiber. And there wasn't a lot of difference between mineral fiber and an uninsulated gap. What they found in the process as they were doing their um, their study after the fact was that uh, there were um, faults in the window frame that were allowing air leakage through the frame. So it, it kind of masked the advantage of using um, a mineral fiber insulation, which in itself is instructive. Um, but um, so there's uh, overall, when you look at the three options, there is a small improvement in thermal performance. Um, but you know, we recognize that depending on the severity of the climate, it could be very important, you know, when we get further up north. Um, so I don't think we're ready to throw out the concept of insulation, um, but we need to be careful about that in terms of, are we using nail flanges? Are those nail flanges wide enough that you can allow for a, a wider rough opening gap so it's easier to put the insulation in there and at the same time uh, provide for anchoring, uh, structural anchoring through the nail flange. So the other possibility, of course, is to use the nail flange just as a, uh, a placement tool that tell you that you've pushed the window in far enough and still anchor through the frame or use installation brackets to secure the window into the frame and bring your membrane over and tie onto um, the nail flange. Uh, so it become, it's no longer uh, a structural product. As well, um, there are two different types of nail flange that are available. There's the in integral flange that's extruded as part of the frame, um, which is more the, the case out west. But you can also get a nail flange that's an accessory. So it's led into the accessory groove on the outside and it's usually combined with a brick mold. And the trick there is, has the window been uh, structurally assessed with that accessory in place? Um, so do we know that a window, particularly when you get into windier locations, so you're, you're getting uh, out to the east coast in particular, or you're getting to an escarpment condition, and so there's positive and negative wind loads on that frame. Um, if it's just an accessory uh, nail flange that snaps into that groove on the face of the window, can it hold the window or will it become detached? And different manufacturers have ways around it. Some of them have a return flange on the bottom of the window that gets screwed into the frame. So you have a mechanical connection um, as well for the, um, uh, the accessory nail flange. Um, so we made a, uh, we included uh, commentary in uh, the current uh, A440.4 that if the window has not been assessed um, for an accessory nail nail flange from a structural perspective, um, then you shouldn't rely on it for structural anchorage. You should still anchor either directly through the frame or using installation brackets. So you would need to test for that. You'd you need to test for it, yeah. Get your model tested to, to, to make sure the accessory. Yeah, and coincident with that, um, there's been more clarification on within NAFs uh, regarding um, testing of the windows and manufacturers supplying information to installers um, on installation detailing. Um, 
more from the perspective of this is how you should install it for the test window. But if the window has just been manufactured as box framed and installed with who knows how many screws into the frame, then from an install installation perspective, you need to question that. If they're now you're just saying, I'm going to snap in an accessory um, uh, nail flange, can you really rely on that to uh, retain the window against wind load? Will it be enough to support the dead load of the window? Um, so it's something that needs to be looked at uh, still, I think, uh, more. But is there like, are you, but is there a standard yet to test that to? Like, how do, how do you, how do you verify that, that you've, that your, that your nail flange, your accessory nail flange design will meet the, will be okay? You can use exactly the same standard that's used currently to assess the windows. Okay. It's a bit of a weak area within NAPS and as much as the, um, NAPS recognizes the fact that there's lots of different substrates. Um, so you can't, uh, a manufacturer can't possibly test for every condition. So they need to test for the most likely condition that they expect and, and from a, uh, an anchorage perspective. But at the same time, they're not specifically assessing the anchorage uh, of the window uh, when they do the wind load test. Um, and there's a, a division point there between the, the product and the installation. So the, the product can go in and often when you look at a test report, you'll see um, anchors installed around the full perimeter of the window. Mm. But we talk about in the installation standard of, well, you anchor at the jams, you avoid anchoring at the sill because of potential for leakage, and you have to be careful about anchorage at the head because you need to allow for frame shrinkage. So there's a bit of, there's a disconnect there um, in how we install versus how we test. And do we really test the anchorage of the window when we do the product test? No. But then how do we know that the uh, the anchorage details that we include in A440.4 or an ASTM E2112 or the various AMA standards work? Um, so there's sort of a uh, this division between the, the science of the lab testing and the practicality of field installation. Hmm. Well, it's of interest to me because you know I I, I just wanted to assess whether um, you know Ontario manufacturers and and other Central Canadian manufacturers should be thinking very seriously about nail flange designs. And actually, it, it sounds like mm -hmm. it sounds like that accessory idea is uh, it, you know is a good one i mean because that gives them the option right you could it does you know so so if you're if your area that you're that you're installing into i mean and that's the problem right i mean we're talking about warm wet and cold wet and you know quebec and ontario are going to fall somewhere in the middle of those two yes. extremes. uh so you're you know what what do you what do you need um but the accessory, the accessory thing seems to solve the issue. So that's that's again, if as long as we can, you know, figure out how to get them certified and figure out how to make sure you're compliant with your accessory design. So that that's that works well. Neat stuff, neat stuff, George. Um, what one other note I made while you were talking before? Um, mm -hmm. What uh, what changes did you make on the bay uh, and bow window designs? Well, we included information about bay and bow windows. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> um, right. <laughs> uh, so there really wasn't anything there. Um, so we looked at both um, 
sort of the frame to bay window where it's actually separate openings um, in a wall that's built out uh, versus um, uh, an opening in a flat wall and the window is uh, uh, just sitting within it. Yeah. Um, so I don't have that um, a part of the standard open right now, but it was basically to provide some uh, guidance that uh, if you're in, um, using, if you have a flat uh, or opening in a flat wall and you're installing a window, bay window unit within that, then um, how do you deal with that? Uh, so you, you need to still anchor that overall assembly in place following the principles within uh, A440. Um, you're anchoring it back to the structural frame. You may need to suspend it uh, from uh, the wall or the roof above, um, um, as opposed to trying to hold it up with two by fours on the outside that are angled back to the wall. So we try to provide some guidance in there and we could probably do more about that. Yeah, interesting. Um, we have some inf information in there now. Holy smokes, George! Great, great, great overview uh, of, uh, of of what's been happening in the in the standard. Um, so, what's coming up? We uh, uh, your email uh, uh, spoke about uh, the, the the next effort. We're we're already you're already kind of getting your ducks in a row uh, to uh, to get the work done this mm -hmm. year. Uh, so that you uh, have your updates, uh, I, I think, hopefully completed in 2022, 2023, so that everything is ready for the 2025 update to the NBC, mm -hmm. which, uh, which uh, you know, we know is, is always a challenge <laughs> to hit those deadlines. And, uh, and uh, just... Uh, uh, you mentioned in the in the in the in the email that, that you, you know you you really want lots of participation and lo and lots of diverse representation from across sort of all levels of the industry. T tell me a bit about that. Who who are you looking for to get involved uh, with uh, with the next uh, round of changes? Well, everybody. <laughs> um, what we're looking for, uh, we want to have a broad um, selection of people involved in the committee. So. Um, component manufacturers, uh, so membrane manufacturers, insulation manufacturers, and, and window manufacturers, um, installers, um, or people um, representing installation groups. Um, so for instance, SODAC is involved, Fenestration Canada is involved. Um, through the uh, last set of um, uh, uh, reviews with for the NBC, uh, we realized that uh, we didn't have a very good connection with the home builder. So CHBA, um, uh, we've already reached out uh, to them uh, about uh, getting involved and we'd like to uh, have other um, home builder organizations uh, involved uh, because we, the thing that we try to achieve within the standard is a reasonable balance between recognizing uh, what we're doing and what we're doing well um, and pushing and prodding the industry to do better. Um, so there's some push, some pull. You know, we need to go for, forward with things, but at the same time, you know, some of the things we are doing are doing well, and let's rep recognize that within the standard because you know, we're not trying to create best practice. We're trying to create reasonable practice uh, for the future. Um, that said, we're going to push hard because uh, you know climate change is something that we have to think about. So we need to keep doing that future think about resiliency, and do we need to be going further, um, such as mandating um, some cell flashing 
uh, uniformly. And those are discussions that we need to have uh, further with the NBC so that we're, we're in th this time around, we're, um, uh, we're coordinated with uh, the efforts of uh, how the NBC is changing. Um, I'd also, um, We'll be looking at uh, reaching out to some of our northern housing groups or First Nations groups um, because we've, we tried very much for 2018-19 to broaden our scope from coast to coast, but we also have a third coast to deal with and lots of northern um, uh, communities in between. Because um, for a large part, and I was thinking about that a bit more this morning, we're dealing with um, uh, installation techniques along the Canada-US border. Um, and stuff can be different when we go north. So for instance, the, the notion of uh, insulating in the rough opening gap, um, what do we need to do? Um, and does that work with the nail flange window or should we be using only box flange so we have a bigger gap and more insulation as an example? Uh, so we need to uh, tie in there. So. It, I would, um, in terms of who can participate, anyone who's interested, um, uh, I'll be blunt, I'm after people who are going to work on this uh, and uh, or are going to participate. Um, we, the way that we ran the, the last revision is we met monthly, uh, three hours at a time um, to chew our way through the text and, and make revisions. Uh, this time we'll we'll follow something similar. Um, it the big challenge I think will be in the uh, the graphic component uh, to include uh, the diagrams to show different installation techniques, and we'll be drawing on uh, members' uh, existing information. I think rather than reinventing the wheel, what really good installation uh, diagrams and and photographs and things like that that are available. Um, so product manufacturers, window manufacturers, installers, um, certainly um, uh, uh, home building associations are important. Um, authorities having jurisdiction. So I've been in discussion with a few different um, uh, building inspectors across the country. So we're certainly interested in having them on board. And then uh, we just have to herd the cats and uh, in the direction of uh, trying to make a revision um, probably early 2022. So we're looking about a year or so of uh, uh, pretty intense work. And then um, we'll be going in through uh, public reviews and, and so on. Mm. So it is a lot of work, uh, mm. but it's interesting work. Uh, if you're in the if you're in the field, um, why 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 get involved? We, we we know what you guys need. If I'm listening to this and I'm and I'm considering whether to get involved with this or not, George, why why, why don't you tell me what the what what what's the upside? What's the benefit of getting involved in this process if you're a person in the window and door industry? Well, I guess I mean one is to be fully informed uh, where things are going. Um, <laughs> there's not much point in having a standard that's impractical to use. Um, as I mentioned, we have to push and prod uh, to recognize that um, we're not working on past 30 anymore in terms of climate. Um, we need to look to the future thing. Um, and a, a good 
example of that kind of information that's out there is to look at the actuaries climate change index um, that's uh, uh, put together by um, uh, I think it's the Canadian Institute of Actuaries and the corresponding group south of the border and they've been tracking um, how the climate is changing from a number of different perspectives um, some of which we use for building design, but others that, of course, they're using from a, a perspective of insuring properties. And their information, uh, which is updated uh, quarterly, it's usually about six months behind, shows how the climate is changing. So we know we have to change. We can't just keep doing the same old and same old and expect that um, our housing and small building is going to perform as well as it did in the past. Uh, we insulate more, uh, so portions of the building envelope are colder, portions are hotter. We don't have that same um, uh, energy drive through the wall that we used to have, so that the old prairie house where the, the winter winds blew through the house and uh, dried out all the moisture that accumulates, well, now the, the moisture accumulates, it doesn't dry out. Uh, so we need to think about um, the future and what it's going to hold for us that we can build durable housing. From a, uh, a home builder's perspective, you don't want cold baths. Um, and you know, you're trying to build as best you can. And knowing that the environment is changing very quickly, far faster than what past 30 data um, is showing us, you don't want to be building a problem into your uh, your buildings. Similarly, from a, a window manufacturer perspective, um, we have uh, standard test methods that are more or less cast in concrete. Um, are they adequate? Are the performance levels adequate? Um, and if we're if we do have a problem with window performance, you know you want your product to perform well but when it's installed you want it installed properly so the installation isn't causing a problem because if the installation causes a window failure then quite likely you as a manufacturer um, are going to be targeted by uh, the legal types and saying your window is faulty well your window may not be faulty uh, but the installation may be bad so getting involved to help guide in proper installation techniques so your product isn't damaged is important. Um, and the same goes for other various component manufacturers. You know, people make installation brackets or insulation materials or membrane materials. All this stuff has to come together in the window opening. And, you know, there'll be, I'm sure, lots of different manufacturers that can tell us horror stories about, oh, yeah, you know, they saw their membranes used with so-and-so sealants and, and what have you, and it failed because the two weren't compatible. That kind of stuff needs to get picked up to inform the installers um, how to um, put everything together. There are very few installation training programs available um, across the country. Uh, SODAC has run the WindowWise program for getting on 20 years now. Um, Fenestration Canada has its uh, online um, training program now, which is a, an extension of the CSA Fit One program. Um, you know, there's a new program, uh, training program down in um, Fanshawe College in London, and there are various others uh, around. Um, being involved in the committee can help us understand 
what kind of information do we need to be giving to installers so that they can understand what they need to do? Uh, they can understand how the window works, how a combination of window works, so that when they do the installation, it makes sense that all the pieces are going to work together. How to how to write your instructions, even? <laughs> well, exactly. You know, because you know, we we there's a the CSA lingo. You know, yeah. how do you write things? And when you have to, and you've seen it with the building code too. I mean, there are many of the requirements are in there are. are um, written in the negative. Yeah. And it's harder to understand negatives than it is to do positives. Mm -hmm. So that's where more illustrations in a user guide can show the positives and that can help um, uh, some people install better. Plus you're a fun loving group. I mean, let's face it. I mean, that's. Yeah, you know, there's the pizza parties that we have all the time, you know. <laughs> You have to order your own, and and I should mention. I mean, yeah, yeah. Now bring your own, bring your own refreshments now. But yeah, and bring and bring your own uh, uh, laptop and and socially distance. But actually, what we did, and what was one of the changes we made um, for the uh, eighteen nineteen edition, it was the meetings were all virtual. Yeah. Um, before that, um, the technology of the day was you met in person. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe, yeah, you know, you could have a conference phone or something like that. And it was awkward. Now, you know, here we are talking on Zoom and there are various other meeting platforms um, where we can all get together, um, not only um, in sound, but in picture. And we can discuss um, uh, whatever we need to talk about much more effectively than we could before. Yeah, so the go forward again will be that this will be virtual meetings yeah. so that anybody can participate across the country. And then we just you know need to pick a time of the day, then we can meet that um, it's reasonable that, uh, you know, we're not going to get somebody out of bed in the morning or someone has to stay up late at night, but we can do that virtually now. So we, it's, it makes it easier for people to participate. Well, absolutely encourage everybody to, uh, to take a strong look at it. On the climate change thing, George, um, I mean, there's that there's that NBC roadmap out there um, with, uh, and I think everybody's probably seen the. I, I guess what they're looking at is 2032 or something targets now uh, for things like 0.08 U value and uh, and um, different different standards, um, and and you know I've often I've often thought that one of the you know. If, if, if you aren't getting involved in, in, in things like this, or, you know, at least going to the, the Fenestration Canada meetings and, and, and getting your updates and things like that, you know, you'd really be surprised and, and sidelined by the, by the, by the intensity of the changes that they're calling for. Mm. When, and what we often hear is, you know, you can make the most energy efficient, you know, product in the world. Uh, but if the installation isn't done right, you're losing all that you're losing all the value. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's where a 440 kind of intersects, I think, with with what the the uh, uh, NRCAN is working on, on this roadmap. Um, so I guess that I guess the, the question to you is, what do you anticipate sort of the end state is of, of, of a 440.4? Um, in, in terms of meeting these climate change challenges, like what uh, subso flashing obviously is one you've pointed to. Definitely, you know, it, we're, we're, we we may very well end up with with just a blanket requirement for subso flashing. Um, uh, the insulation thing, I don't know about because the jury seems to be kind of in and out on whether that's that's ultimately uh, you know go, going to be going to be helpful. 
well, I guess the question to you is, you know, for instance, will we have, will it have to become some kind of an insulating uh, fix in order for the insulation to work with the climate change, uh, like like the the end goal of the climate change regulations and where we want to get to with net zero houses, right? It's uh, a good question. Uh, I don't think we'll be throwing out uh, requirements for insulating the rough opening gap. It, it, it can, becomes that question of how do we deal with nail flanges and the width of nail flanges and, and, and so on. So that's something we need to look at further. Um, we've included information on how to install windows into uh, walls of various different types with continuous exterior insulation. Um, so I think we're there. I think we're there already. Okay. Um, and certainly tying the window into um, the air barrier for the building, that information is already there. Um, it's always useful to look at how we're stating things to make sure that it's clear uh, what we need to do. And some of the questions that uh, I know I've received over the last uh, a couple of years since the standards have been out, um, it's been for clar clarity um, on the um, you know tying the window into the air barrier, and we thought we got it clear, uh, but clearly we didn't. <laughs> um, so, you know, there, there's always some improvements that can be made from a language perspective, and again, the diagrams, newer diagrams, will help. Um, but we're not looking at not looking at a revolution in in no. window installation techniques similar to frankly the revolution we are looking at in 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 energy efficiency in the glass and in the framing systems i don't think so i think we we came a long way yeah. uh, for 2018 and 2019 um and so I, i'm not anticipating a lot of um major technical change coming up i think we've we've done the big leap um it's more refinement. Yeah, yeah, just nail it down. George, this has been a uh, a really uh, great overview, uh, and 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 well, and more than an overview, lots of lots of great substance there. Um, thank you uh, uh, very much for joining us, George. If if people have have questions or uh, or or, or want to bug you for your expertise, where can they where can they find you? Uh, easiest way is just uh, drop me an email, gtorek at morrisonhirschfield.com, and um, we'll take it from there. And if you're interested in participating in the committee, um, let me know. Just drop me an email. Um, we'll be working through January and February to get the, the group up and running. Uh, so my first task, which um, should be com completed by the time this podcast is out, will be to reach out all to the existing members uh, and to you know, check check in with them and see that uh, I have all the contact information still um, and that they're interested in participating. And then uh, we'll be looking at um, expanding, filling out that group. Um, and then, um, then we're going to get into it. Fantastic. Well, listen, best of luck with that effort, George. Encourage everybody to, uh, to uh, uh, reach out to you who's, uh, who's interested or feels they have something to offer to the, to the committee, to the uh, A440.4 committee. And um, thanks very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Fenestration Conversation 
is a presentation of Fenestration Review Magazine and Annex Business Media.